And I'm going to start with Luke 15, and this is what it says. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came closer to listen to Jesus. They often came closer to listen to Jesus. I mean, in the 21st century for you and I, have we got the opportunity to present a Jesus where those that are considered notorious sinners away from God, living a completely different life than what God planned for them, and yet would they be able to come closer to the Jesus that we know and love? You see, we are the mirror of Jesus. The church is the mirror of Jesus on earth. And if the mirror's off, everything's off. But if the mirror is good, everything can change. And here we have basically people who are coming closer. Have we got the kind of church where people can come closer in no matter what they're doing, no matter what their behaviour, no matter what they're doing right now with their lives, it doesn't matter. Can they come closer to Jesus? Would they want to come closer? And in this story, we find out that they were coming closer to listen, which means they must have been hearing something they wanted to hear. They were hearing something different. Their sound was different. Their language was different. It was affirming. It was warm-hearted. It was positive. It was uplifting. It was going forward. It was something they wanted to hear. Is there a way back home? It sounds like it. Can I come back home? It sounds like it. He did something different. He sounds different. He doesn't sound like these guys, he sounds different. And I pray that we build a church that sounds different, that looks different, that talks different, that behaves different, not because we're cool, but because He's amazing. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. You become like them you hang with. You become like them you hang with. It's called a relationship. And so we have another visualization and Jesus is speaking and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And this is what it says. They were grumbling and complaining that Jesus would entertain notorious sinners and even eat with them. So Jesus began to tell a story. And he's about to put these two groups into the story. Thank you. Take your seat. He goes on and he says, in this story, a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost. And what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 and go into the wilderness and search for the one until he finds it? And then when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. God doing all the work. God doing all the work. Joyfully carrying the sheep on his shoulders all the way home. God doing the work. God doing the work. How are you going to get home? What have you got to do? It's the wrong tension. It's what He has done. You're coming home because of Him. You're staying home because of Him. God does all the work. God does all the work. God does all the work. Joyfully carried it home on His shoulders. And when he arrives, he calls together his friends and neighbours saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep in the same way. There is more joy in heaven over one, one, one lost sinner who repents and turns to God 
over the 99 righteous who haven't strayed away. He goes on and tells of a woman losing one of the coins. She sweeps the house until she finds it. And then when she finds it, she rejoices with me. She said, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. Verse 11, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A father has two sons. Verse 23 to 24 He basically has put these two groups of people now in the story and they know it. One father, two sons. He tells the story about the younger son taking the inheritance and running away and living an absolute rebellious life to the things of God and living it up and finding himself that he was not satisfied and he was empty and that no one or nothing could touch him and fulfill him like the presence of God. And he comes home and the father's response is amazing. While he's on his way home, the father sees him. So he was looking for him. On his way home, the father runs to him. In other words, he ran to you. You didn't run to him. He comes to you. You don't come to him. And see the father's response. Arms open wide. For some of you in this room, why are you fighting God's open arms? Why are you disbelieving that He is going to hug you back to wholeness? Do you see His arms folded or do you see His back turned? My friend, someone's lied to you. God has never turned His back on anyone except His own Son. When Jesus on the cross laid down his life. It's the only time in Scripture where we hear him calling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every other time his language was, my Father, my Father. It's the only time where his son Jesus saw the back of God. God was cut off from God. Why are you allowing disbelief to rob you of the greatest joy? Why are you so addicted to disbelief that you cannot simply believe that the kindness of heaven is towards you? Are you so broken that he can't heal you? Are you so complicated that he can't lift you? It's a lie. There's not one room person in this room that is too complicated for God. You're not too messy. You're not too messy. You're not too complicated. You're not too broken for his healing. Alcohol might have sunk you to your lowest depths. Drugs might have robbed you in ways you can't imagine. Everything else you can think of that might have taken from you and destroyed you. But listen to me, no one can take Jesus from you. The devil can't take him. Life can't take, nothing and no one can take Jesus. If he's been given to you, nothing and no one can take him away from you. His back is not towards you. His arms are opened out for you. The response of the Father was to run towards Him. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. His position was towards you. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. The resources of the Father are for you. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. So what are you going to do with your disbelief? 
Get rid of it. Pride won't lift you. It will destroy you. And this is what he does. He says, rejoice with me. My son who was lost is now found. Rejoice with a feast. Rejoice with a feast. Rejoice with a feast. Why does that church do everything around food and drink, essen and drinking? Because we're rejoicing, not depressing. Rejoice with me. My son that was dead was now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So the party began. And the only one that couldn't party and celebrate, listen to me, the only one that could not celebrate was the other son. Remember Jesus is talking to two groups of people. He's talking to the notorious sinners, the messed up people, the complicated people, sexed up, drugged up, out of control. I don't know what it is that you think you've done. Maybe you're not even a a, a drugged up, sexed up, messy person. Maybe you've got it all together. All the duckies are in a row. You're a good little person. You're a good behaving. Oh, you help the poor and you give your taxes and you're good, 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 good. But your good can't save you. And they were listening and they felt they were cut off and they were starting to hear. There was a language that said, come home. They were starting to hear a different tone. Jesus is the mirror of God. And so over here, the religious were telling them something different. Unless you obey the law, unless you put the right sacrifices in the right place at the right time, unless you read your Bible, unless you turn up at the right times, unless you have the Sabbath in the right moments, if you do this and do that. And they made up a whole lot of hundreds of other rules that people couldn't fulfill. And that's why they were complaining and grumbling because they thought that their effort was going to get them right with God. And everything about Jesus was saying, it's not your effort. It's not your good or bad. It's simply about humility and pride. And so we find here is doing beautiful things towards humanity in the 21st century. And we find it through a spirit of celebration. A church is known for whether it can rejoice or whether it can celebrate. We will be defined by the tone of our celebration. Are you a celebrator or are you a complainer? Are you a rejoicer or are you a grumbler? He puts both of these groups of people in the story. And guess who's not coming to the party? And the father, look at his response. He goes out of the house to the other son. And he says, son, not sour face, not stinky pants, not miserable one, son. He didn't talk to him according to his behavior. He talked to him from who he saw him as. God doesn't talk to you with your behavior. And so you've got to be willing to let go of these things and to pick up who you really are. And that's what he said. Come into the party. Rejoice. It isn't amazing that the son didn't know what the noise of rejoicing was all about. It's a sad place. It's a sad place when 
We hear good news and we can't rejoice. When these beautiful newborn babes were announced, we celebrated because there was a relationship. And Jesus is basically saying, when one of my lost sons and daughters comes home, heaven rejoices. One! Heaven rejoices. And if we're believing for heaven on earth, what could a church look like when not just one natural baby's born, but what would it be if we saw literally spiritual babies coming home? Listen to me. Let me present to you today. There is no difference. If you can rejoice here, we should be able to rejoice here. And if there's something wrong in the sense of lack of rejoicing, it's because there's no relationship. So my challenge to everyone today is this. Do you actually have a relationship with your heavenly father? Let me tell you what it says. Relationship brings rejoicing. The father was rejoicing. Why? Because he had a relationship with his lost son and he couldn't wait to celebrate. Where was the older brother? He was at home being miserable, serving in the house of his father, but now he had a victim mentality. You owe me, God. I've been in church for 10 years. He's been in church 10 minutes and he's seen more of your goodness than I've seen in 10 years. And, <laughs> and you don't think it happens? This nation is full of stuff like that. Europe is swimming with elder brothers. That's why younger brothers don't want to come home and be confronted by their misery and their lack of celebration and the slack of rejoicing. Does a team want to come home? I love that the German team came home and there was still celebration because it wasn't, yeah, we didn't, we wanted you to win, but we, we, we still celebrated you. I just want you to know it's not one or the other, it's always both. Relationship brings revelation. Luke chapter 10, 21 to 23. In this moment, Jesus was filled with joy of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus had a relationship with the Holy Spirit and He was filled with joy in this moment. I praise You, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding these things from the intellects, intellectuals and the wise and for revealing them to listen to those who are trusting as little babies. In your translation, it says as little children. The original says babies, babies. Newborn babies. What does a little baby look like? Do they look fierce? Do they look scary? Do they look suspicious? No, they look innocent. They look beautiful, trusting like a little baby. Is that a picture of you? Is that a picture of you? Could this be your picture? A baby is not angry. A baby disarms people. Jesus came to us as a baby not as a fierce king, as a baby. Can you get the revelation? Can you let God move your heart? Can you get a story that's going to change you? This is what God's saying. Where there's a relationship, there's revelation. When's the last time you got a revelation? I'm a part of something bigger than me. Oh my goodness, I'm in the house of God. I'm not just going to it, bored out of my skull. I'm actually a part of it, functioning, contributing to the vibrancy, to the forward thinking. You're not sitting on a seat being idle. You're sitting on a seat creating an atmosphere, creating an expectation. But this is the point. Relationship brings revelation. Listen to what he says. Thank you, Father. 
Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding these things from intellectuals and the wise, for revealing them to those who are trusting as little babies. Yes, thank you, Father, for that is the way that you wanted it. I am an agent of my Father in everything. I am an agent of my Father in everything. And no one really knows the Son except the Father. And no one really knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him to. Then turning His disciples, He said quietly, How privileged are you to see what you see? How privileged are you to see? Do you feel like you're privileged? Have you lost your sense of privilege? Have you lost your sense of privilege? Privileged that you see Jesus. There's an old man called Simeon and he goes to the temple all the time, every day. And at one moment, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, he comes to the temple as normal, a devoted man who loves God. And Mary and Joseph come with their little baby. And as they come into the temple, as the custom says, to bring their child to the temple. Simeon sees the baby and immediately rejoices. Immediately rejoices. Now how many times families brought their babies to the temple? How many times had he seen baby come, baby go, baby come, baby go, baby come, baby go. And today it's rejoice, baby, rejoice. But listen, 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 Simeon, what did he do? He literally observed Mary and Joseph coming to the temple, literally, and he literally rejoiced straight away. You can read it in Luke chapter 2. And he said, I've seen the Saviour, I've seen the Messiah, and now I can die. Because he had a promise from God that he would literally not die till he saw the Messiah. And he saw it, literally a few more verses. Anna, the prophetess, she literally was married seven years. And then she spent 84 years being a widow. And she was a devout follower of God in the temple every day of her life. And she saw this and she came over and she rejoiced that she'd seen the Messiah. When we look at each other, what do we see? The flaws, the mistakes, the bumps, the disappointments. You got big eyes. Oh, you got big ears. Oh, you got big nose. Oh, oh, you got black hair. Oh, you had yellow last week. Green this week. I mean, did you just see the natural? See, if you just look at the natural, you're not going to receive. But can you see what God sees? Can you see what God sees? You need to realize that we are limited with our own sight. But if you'll start to see what God sees, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to celebrate you. Why? Because relationships will produce revelation. It will produce rejoicing. And the final thing is that relationship will produce responsibility. So what happens is because there's a relationship, there's responsibility. The cooks start to cook. The drivers start to drive. The singers start to sing. The prayer warriors start to pray. The mums start to mother. The omars start to omar. The opas start to opa. Everybody starts to do what their role. But listen what he says. Are you going to be trusting like a little baby? I think what this reveals to us, and I, I've taken too much time. I'm trying to get this across. That if we can celebrate natural babies, can I ask the church to consider that we need to understand it's a mirror. If we can do it naturally, we can do it spiritually. 
Now the key is, how can you celebrate people you don't know? How do you celebrate people you don't know? And Jesus basically said this. He basically said, when you know the Father, you will know me. And when you know me, you'll know the Father. In other words, let me say it this way. Jesus said this. He said, I no longer call you slaves or servants. I call you friends. Because I've now let you in to all that my Father has revealed to me. The relationship brings responsibility. And what I'm trying to say is, is that we can rejoice for those that we don't know because our Heavenly Father knows them. In this story, Luke 15, he said, when one sinner comes back home, heaven rejoices. He said to the disciples, don't rejoice that the evil spirits listen to your voice and obey your commands. He said, rejoice, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What is he saying? Rejoice that you have a relationship. Don't rejoice in your activity. Rejoice that you have a relationship. All I'm trying to say today, and I hope that you understand where I'm going, because there shouldn't be a fight in that church. There should be an openness to the Word of God. There should be an openness to the revelation of God. But I'm challenging this thought. If there's no relationship, there's no, re- there's no revelation. If there's no, if there's no relationship, I guarantee there'll be no rejoicing. So I want to ask the simple church is, are we going to be a rejoicing church or are we going to be a complaining church? Well, I ain't coming to a complaining church. That's why I do what I do. (laughs) You can take your complaining somewhere else, but you want to bring your rejoicing? Welcome! But the rejoicing says something. The rejoicing says something. Well, I don't want the pastor to force me to rejoice. It's not the pastor forcing you. It's a bigger issue than that. It's why can't you rejoice? It's not me trying to do anything. It's God wants to know you. God wants to love you. God wants to hold you. God wants to lift you. God wants to bring revelation through intimacy, through knowing Him. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. 